review, y'all. Jump. The rest of the film. Jump. With my boy, Todd Hastings. Todd Hastings open his bitch. And that new Dylan got broke. Dylan got to what you got. You know what it is. Come on. Salut, mon frère. Ooh. Je ne sais quoi, Dylan, mon ami. Bienvenue à le review pour wrestling. Je m'appelle John Hastings. Et tu? Je m'appelle Dylan Gott. Dans la bibliothèque et le chien est rouge. Mon ding-dong, c'est très gros. <laughs> Je suis fatigué. <laughs> he is tired. By the way, mon ding dong c'est très gros was uh, something a man just yelled at a woman one time in Montreal when I was walking down the street. That's great. A guy this week explained to me that trans is a mental illness, so I finally met one. Uh, oh, I've met like three of them. Here's the weird thing. New York City, every fifth guy will tell you that. Well, that's good. Is every fifth guy Graham K in different <laughs> states of uh, disguise? <laughs> no, Graham K has just stood there silently looking, going, I didn't know someone else knew my truth. <laughs> oh, you've read my book. Actually, here's the weird thing about Graham, is that you'd think, you know, 1970s right-wing Graham, who says things like, toughen up to a homeless person, actually very pro-trans rights, weirdly. Like, you'd think... That's why he, uh, he's such a uh, an enigma, because you'd think, oh, he doesn't care for that. Turns out, very in favor of it. Basically, be whoever you want to be and know that's your truth, but you better goddamn pay your taxes. And if you cry at a commercial, that's yeah. when you got yourself a problem with the K-Man. <laughs> okay, we're doing, uh, ladies and gentlemen, of course you could see by our beautiful French, is it Andre the Giant? No, because he was a fucking stupid fucking French guy. It's Pat Patterson, a baby. A real French person. Yeah, Quebecois French. Yes, the best type of uh, French. Quebecois French. I lived in the ta same town as uh, Pat Patterson for five years of my life. Went to university there. Uh, Pat Patterson grew up in um, uh, Ville Marie and the Plateau, basically. When the Plateau, which is was the very first sort of hipster neighborhood I became aware of, where it's like, all oh, these lovely, would you like some cheap tomatoes? But when my mom and her family grew up, they were like the plateau. They were like, you don't, you don't fuck around in that part. Like there was parts of there that were very nice, and other parts that were fucking crazy. That's crazy. I, yeah, because I don't really know that much about uh, Montreal, but also, I think the Pat Patterson uh, grew up definitely in a uh, what the regressive so home. Basically, uh, just to do a very quick piece of Quebec history, and it's actually important to explain why. So essentially, Quebec was ruled over by. The Catholic Church through a puppet premier, who is the equivalent of the governor uh, for provincial uh, provinces, and French Canadians in particular were just crazily encouraged by the Catholic Church to have a million kids. And the reason why, particularly in French Canada, they did this was they were attempting to outfuck the Protestant people of Canada, which is impossible because they are outnumbered so greatly. But it was the idea of make a sh they, they really tried. fucking tried like every. Like, Quebec, my mom is from a family of four children, and that was like, you were bullied for being from such a small family. <laughs> Your parents don't fuck. It makes sense. I mean, because Quebec, weren't people in Quebec, you had to have two Quebec votes to equal one English vote for a time? Yeah, there were so many fucking weird things like that. Like, you had to have two, like... Yeah, 
Quebecois were treated like subhumans uh, for a very for a wiki while while, and then Pat Patterson yeah, changed Pat all Patterson that. Pat Patterson was part of the Quiet Revolution. Basically, in the '60s, the French took power, um, and you know raised a lot of hell, did a lot of good stuff for white people. If you are not a white French person, watch the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The way it this should be. This is how be. racist Quebec is and how much it's just accepted in Canada is that the leader of one of the political parties, the NDP, is a Sikh gentleman who wears a turban and newscasters were like, well, he won't win in Quebec. And like, they were like, this is not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And did not happen. And like, news commentators were basically skirting the issue of they're like, well, it wasn't his policies for why they didn't vote for the NDP. It was other factors without just basically being like, uh, Quebecois people don't care about black people, brown people, or Asian people, and especially not natives, which is a good thing for Pat Patterson because he was a gay man who grew up in the height of this Catholic society. Um, by the way, all of these families were encouraged to have like eight or nine kids when all of their dads just were like a milkman and then like, like basically doing jobs that teenagers do. Yeah, and then Pat Patterson had to put a bow on his a uh, on his upbringing. Was he came home? He uh, realized he was gay early on in life. Came home, uh, got drunk with his uh, then boyfriend. They yeah, banged they it out. And he came back, told his dad. His dad told him, "Never talk to me yeah, again." Yeah, you are a taquet, which is Quebecois for bad word for gay people. Hello. Hello. That's actually, there's a few others that he uses that I'm surprised that they didn't include in the research, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> there's a few ones that I've called him personally that they didn't put in the research. Ululu is another one that I, you hear, you'd hear quite a lot. Ululu. It's crazy to me that even the French are not okay with gay people. Oh, no, 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 no. Like you wear to be wearing a beret and being homophobic. Oh, is they literally. Do you understand what a fucking mixed message it is to be wearing an ascot with a cigarette holder and purple loafers and still calling someone a Lulu? <laughs> you look like you direct films that are just like, yeah, we'll just film this leaf. The story of the leaf is interesting enough for six hours, but you're also like. That guy's gay, I Listen, hate there, that. I guarantee there are, and this is true, I've heard this said by Quebecois men, Greek men, Italian men. Uh, if you're in the army and you're in prison, you have to fuck something, so it better be a guy, but you fuck him. You don't get fucked. That makes you bad. That's true. <laughs> That's how Dylan... Or like my friend, or, or like this guy Taylor Radborn, you uh, put a hole in your wall and then you uh, learn how to... Um, fuck a wall? What's that stuff... Yeah, he fucked the wall, but he padded it on the inside. <laughs> um, and then my friend Steve Cliff found it, and he was like, "What the fuck are you doing with your wall?" And he went, "Oh, I just like, I just bumped into it, and that hole came in." He's like, "That hole, the perfectly waist height hole, the hole that <laughs> he just was like getting so mad. He's like, you padded a hole. You clearly spent hours and hours on this. Like he must have learned how to do some home improvement stuff." Where, like, he'll have a wife now, and she'll be like, oh, how do you know how to fix that? Uh, let's just say I fucked my wall when I was 13. Listen, everyone <laughs> goes into this competition of which men, are men or women more horny? I don't really know, but here's what I know, is that men are willing to do way creepier shit just to fucking come. For example, I knew this guy named Justin, Justin yeah. and he used his fake ID to get a Costco membership so he could buy industrial jugs of uh, Vaseline. 
which he put inside plastic bags, <laughs> which he put between a box spring and a mattress, and then he would fuck that. Do you understand the level of steps? <laughs> and this is all, the Costco from where his house was in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, was hours of bus riding. Like this guy was committed. This was a full day. I like that. What else do you have to do at that age? There was no phones. Yeah, you just fucked bags. Kids now are probably, they're just jacking off all over the place. <laughs> you kids today, you're just fucking touching your dicks. I knew a guy that used to jack off in the family change room of the Dover Court Recreational Center. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty man. sick. That's very specific. The Dover Court If any of you ever go to the Dover Court Recreational Center and you're in the family bathroom, just be aware that a man named Chris used to J-O in there all the time. That guy also, by the way, could suck his own dick, so who knows what he got up to in there. He probably was just jacking off for that time, then he moved on to yeah, I guarantee he was dick. doing a little bit of both. That's what the noise sounded <laughs> Stroke, stroke, suck, suck. Stroke, stroke, suck, suck. Mm, I like tasting my own pre-cum. <laughs> Keep the juices within me. It powers me. I I fuel myself. I'm like a car that has an oil refinery on it as well. He must. Have, he'll have. He might have like a weird heart to heart where he's like, "Now, son, I know what you're going through. You're probably sucking your own dick and drinking a bunch of your own pre cum. You saved up over time. What are you talking about? Yeah, you're probably drinking, doing shots of your own cum after you nut in the shot glass." Makes you feel like a big man. Well, those are my shot glasses for my own cum. So you just get your own shot glasses like I did when I was your age. I don't want to talk to you about anything anymore, Dad. Your mother said you'd say that. I thought you were yeah. tougher. Mm, those better be... They, that better be pre-cum leaking out of your eyes because you've consumed so much pre-cum. <laughs> that better not be goddamn tears. Because We're cum drinkers. We're not pussies. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bit ironic because a, uh, a pussy is in many ways a drinker of cum, but not in this case. Oh, yeah. There's only two cum drinkers <laughs> in this house, and they're both me. Your mother's not involved. I should make clear that I, I kept the cum alive in my throat and then spit it into a Petri dish because I wanted you to be strong. <laughs> I didn't want you to be conceived inside the factory-like workings of a vagina. I wanted you to be made in the sterile, loving world that is a laboratory. <laughs> well, officially, we've done the weirdest <laughs> riff in the history of the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Pat Patterson, you debuted in Montreal, Quebec. He certainly did. <laughs> he, uh, pa Pat Patterson, by the way... Um, uh, lived in a room with eight people for the first beginning of his childhood. So I guarantee well, all the other wrestlers were like uncomfortable sleeping in a hotel room. They were like, Pat, you got the floor because you're new. And he's like, wait a minute. The whole floor to myself? He's giggling. Giggling and <laughs> laughing and just laying on a table. Ooh, so much space. <laughs> Is this a king? I'm a king. Um, Pat Patterson, go ahead. I was going to say he... um. He got kicked out of his uh, promotion, his first promotion, for taking a broken Coke bottle to the ring because he thought wrestling I love was it. real. I love it so. And they were like, do not do that. What a 1950s weapon. Yeah, I know, right? It's still kind of wholesome. I have to protect myself against these fucking loser. Okay, I know. Smash <laughs> Coke bottle. Uh, also, to play into a fun... I like that, by the way, he's breaking the Quebec stereotype by smashing a Coke bottle and not a Pepsi bottle. Because if it was a Pepsi bottle, that, that'd be racist. Ooh. 
Well, it's also 1958, so they probably didn't have province-wide deals with everything I guarantee yet. they did. When Pepsi, Quebec... Because that's also a thing in, in Newfoundland, they also just only have Pepsi. Really? Yeah, that's why it was like... My friend Adam watched a very Newfoundland comedian who does tours there and like sells out arenas. And uh, his his closer was... I tell you this girl... She leaned over and she said, oh, I think I'll have a Pepsi. And the place went insane. And Adam was like, what? I don't understand oh, at all. What just happened? Watching East Coast Canadian comedians are sort of like, I don't know. Did you ever work with any of the well, like the big Welsh comedians in Britain? Like, no. you do not even know these guys are around. Like, Because it's also Wales is so small. There's like four guys that are like that have not crossed over into England are only big in Wales. And you're just like, what? Like. Half the things they say are in Welsh. It's fucking crazy. They talk about trains a lot and hikes, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like uh, that sounds like basically Newfoundland comedians, or they, but more so they just talk about weird, friendly white trash people. Oh yeah, and how Swansea's filled with scum. It's the best. Um, yeah. Uh, so after, after so who getting kicked Pep- out of uh, yeah. Montreal Wrestling for bringing a Coke bottle, he's yes he uh, starts he starts in with Sil- uh, Samson's promotion, which is he basically gets linked up with Mad Dog Vashon, who would basically get him into big time pro wrestling because he saw the talent of Pat Patterson immediately. Yeah, he also got by the way performed as uh, Killer Pat Patterson. He changed the name to Pat Patterson because he couldn't write Pierre Claremont because. His schooling wasn't very good because he was raised in a super part of Montreal in a time where French Canadians were persecuted and also in a time where it's like, how old are you, 10? Go work at the factory. They'll do a drawing. Writing is for rich people. (laughs) Uh, Pat Patterson was poorly uh, paid at this time. He would clash constantly with his father, which led to, um, amongst other things, him leaving wrestling a little bit to work at a cookie factory and a tobacco factory, but he returned to wrestling because he loved it so very much. Um, also through Mad Dog Vachon's uh, uh, promotion, he ended up in, yeah, he ended up in Big Time Wrestler and he met his lifelong partner uh, while wrestling through Big Time Wrestling when they went through, I believe, Boston. Is that correct, Dylan? He ran away to Boston at there 19. He hadn't met... L- he, I don't think he had met Louis I think he yet. Meets, no, he meets Louis in Boston. Yeah, he meets Louis in Boston. And, uh, yeah, he meets Louis in Boston where he has to move. He moves to Portland from Boston, and he realizes he just can't live without Louis. And then they have to pretend to not be gay for 30 they years. They have to pretend <laughs> to be just pals. Literally, yes. They literally have to just pretend to be friendly guys, even though constantly Louis is like... People will come to the door and Louis in his underpants and they'll be like, hey, your boyfriend answered the door. And he'll be like, that's not my fucking boyfriend. And then just beat the shit out of yeah. whoever said that. Watching The Sopranos reminds me a lot of The Sopranos. It literally does look like that. Oh, yeah, that's actually a very good analogy. Also, by the way, Mad Dog Vachon uh, never told Pat Patterson how much he was going to be paid. Oh, God. That's disgusting. <laughs> I got to tell you, that was, was that not in the microphone? close to the microphone. That was cool. oh man, that hurt my ears how loud it was. <laughs> oh, you're probably bleeding from I'm your bleeding asshole. Over the smell is absolutely fucking horrific. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, it's actively hotter in this room than it was a moment ago. 
Here's my favorite thing about Pat Patterson. He spoke five words of English. He learned all of his English from television. <laughs> and he was very excited to move into a $10 a week one room room in Boston because he could jack <laughs> off. <laughs> He's like, I could finally fucking his jack main off. By the way, about living with all of his uh, siblings in that room is he never had a place to jack off. <laughs> Oh, now I gotta jack off on all my brothers. Gross. Either one of us ever die. Pat Patterson could slide right into this show and it would be total. All we need to do is introduce him to Graham K and he'd be like, I get it. Okay, turn the microphone on. <laughs> well, he'd also be like, we get a government grant because he was Quebecois. Oh, this is Quebecois oh. art. And then they fucking shit to her. He took his shit. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun, by the way, Canadian uh, uh, artist anger and that the joke is is that quebec gets all the arts funding grants um but the east the no they get they get their they they make their own it's not a it's not anger it's yeah, just they, uh they it's just what it is out. they they support their art yeah they actually care about their own culture it's yeah, sick she, uh yeah she you know want they want success um at, yeah yeah as to dylan who's like no no that's why dylan no i speak quebec Check it, i speak quebec watch check it out it's, Cigarettes, single mom, crying, sick. Oh man, there's a comedian we both know that I'm not going to say the name of that literally has made a career essentially doing that. <laughs> there's a lot of Canadian. If you there's if one, you're there's if you're out guy. here and you want to do an open mic in Canada and do really well, and you're a white person, just be like, I went to Quebec, it sucked, and then just uh, make Toronto, fun of them. you That's wouldn't it. be able That's to do, it. do literally any other community. Including, by the way, Montreal for the right crowd. Because the best thing about Montreal is there's a huge population of people that hate the French there but won't leave because they're like, I bought a house for 80 grand. <laughs> That's it's sick. Cool. Go ahead, Dylan. So, Pat Patterson's wrestling in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, he's recruited by Mad Dog Vachon once again. No, this is, uh, this is oh, Boston. We're, are we still Sorry, in this Boston? This is Boston because we have to... T yeah, he's still in Boston. We have to talk about how... Um, he basically is getting $15 a week, so that's five extra because he's paid $50 for matches, but then they take $35 back for driving him, um, and they would just advertise Bruno San Martino <laughs> to, to fool kid, to fool people into showing up that obviously is not there. This is the first time he meets Mae Young, where she showed up drunk at his hotel Holding room. a martini. Holding a mart. Yeah. Apparently, she just wanted to talk about bullshit and then just passed out in his bed while he slept on the floor. She w He woke up the next day and she pissed the bed. <laughs> <laughs> May Young. That's exactly what you May want from May Young. Oh, you know May Young definitely kissed a man and just went, I was just trying to get your gum. <laughs> or just like walked into a room took a shit on the bed said nothing and was like pay your dues rookie <laughs> i'm gonna teach a man named randy orton to do the same thing conan o'brien <laughs> is a weirdly he's a man that once he gets uncomfortable in an interview he can't recover and that when he interviews uh noted sex trafficker fabulous moolah and may young at one point may uh fabulous moolah just goes all she wants to do is get drunk and get naked. Pointing to Mae Young. Mae Young stands up in such a way, and you could see that they're like, okay, she might get naked. Like, Conan's like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Because, like, <laughs> clearly Mae Young had been getting 
tuned up in the green room, and they they're like, "You want to watch out for her because the way she stands up, it's with that weird sort of you know the limp wrist of a, someone who's about to lift their shirt, like that sort of body language yeah. where it's like we are a second away from seeing." We're a second away from it being Royal Rumble 1999 up in this bitch. Yeah. Don't show your old cunt, you whore. That's what Conan said. He actually talks like that. Hey, change purse, pussy. Fuck off. There you go. <laughs> he just looks at Max Weinberg. Went to Harvard, Max. Bruce Springsteen fucks. And then he just walks out. <laughs> So this is where he goes to Portland. Of course, near the end of it, he does meet Louie, and after a bit, uh, they decide they're going to move in together, but basically Pat Patterson says, we're just friends times forever now. Yeah, we're just good friends. I'm a bachelor. The time was that a gay man was just colloquially known as a bachelor. <laughs> that was, and that's like, like Graham Gay, he's a bachelor. This was, uh, he was... The only, differ- the only difference is that Pat Patterson uh, is in touch with his emotions and is aware of what life is. Well, Graham, Graham is just searching for love in all the wrong places, like a Bon Jovi song. Ooh, that's yeah. really good. Plus, Graham, Graham, ardently refuses to have sex with anyone that's not. <laughs> at some point, is going to be scary. Young. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's. I gotta say, he's really he's expanded his net quite wide. Here's the you just gotta have. You just got to have skin. good skin. One of the few men I know that will comment on a woman's skin in such a way where you're like, I don't know, you know too much about this stuff. Well, this is the fun uh, part. If you really want to make if you really want to make a woman angry, just tell uh, her. Graham K. Comedy on Twitter. If you guys want to tweet at him, hear you like ladies' skin, hashtag wrestler review. <laughs> Who's to say how much we wouldn't enjoy that? I think the weird one, I think, is... I think the the most upset you can make a woman is just being like, hey, that girl's attractive and she's like 21 if you're, you know what I mean? If you're our age, like 34, women get so angry. Like that's, fu- she's young. Like, yeah. Yeah, she's young. She's dumb and she's about to be full of my cum. That's what yeah, I always say. Yeah, it is weird how often you say that just in front of your wife. Like you look at your wife and then you look at a young woman and you just go, it's not that she's fresh. It's just that she's going to get ripe better than you did. Yeah, exactly. I'll just say I'll say stuff like uh, she just looks like she'd be excited to suck it. <laughs> um, I'm not saying that she looks like she'd be grateful, but I'm saying that she'd at least pretend to be. <laughs> and that's all we want. You just want to just lie. Women just lie. Baby, just As lie. As Dylan has often said to it. his wife, just pretend to like something. I say it to my wife. That's what I say. Please. Yeah, exactly. That's why I have all those real dolls. How many real dolls do you have? A kajillion D. There's a really good uh there's a really good documentary on real dolls where a guy maintains it's not weird and then he It's like I'm gonna show this girl my real dolls and it won't be an issue, actually, guys who run this documentary, and then they interview the girl right after and she's like, Yeah, it's I'm very scared. <laughs> Cause they just look like cadavers, you fuck. Like that's they don't look sexual. It just is like uh, it looks like you're literally practicing surgery, and then for a person that would obviously be dating you, it's like, oh, this person's gonna just fucking see how a real heart looks on its on his mantle, you know. Um, back to Pat Patterson. Pat Patterson, by the way, made three hundred dollars his. F- <laughs> his first night. I just realized it was like we've been done 25 minutes of some of the creepy, creepiest riffs in the history of the show. We need to get some hard, fast information. And also, 
One of the most heartwarming stories is coming up from Mad Dog Vashon, a man who one time got super drunk and then opened the door to an airplane. So like if it like Mad Dog Vashon is such a fucking contradict a man who lost a foot, tried to get someone to break his son's own leg, seems like a really nice man. He was recruited, Patterson was, by Mad Dog Vashon for Don Owen in Portland, but uh Mad Dog did this just by mailing him a letter with a starting date, and then Patterson like never got the letter. And then Mad Dog wrote him again furious, stating that if he didn't show up to the second date, he would beat the shit out of him. So Patterson I left love, the <laughs> I love this so much. I love that it's just like Mad Dog's like, you gotta fucking come here now. Um, okay, Mr. Vachon. Um, then uh, he gets to Portland. Pa- Pat Patterson is paid $300. Is so shocked by the amount of money. He thinks it's a mistake. Mad Dog Vachon hilariously goes, it's not a mistake, but they're still screwing you. And then um, Mad Dog Vachon, by the way, helps Louis and Pat Patterson disguise their relationship by occasionally bringing him to shows, saying that him and Louis are friends when Louis moves to Portland. Nick Bockwinkle and Nick Bockwinkle's wife uh, also constantly as well. It's fucking amazing. That's crazy, man. Yeah, there's like uh, Pat protested that Louis was his friend. Mad Dog asked where he had gone, and Louis was terrified because Louis was terrified of Mad Dog at first. Mad Dog chased down. Chased down Louis in the car and <laughs> enraged was supposed to have been in, like, oh, cool, that scary guy is going to beat up a gay guy, everyone just thinking. And then he said uh, no because he cares about Louis because he loves Pat because if pa- if Louis is important to Pat, then Louis is important to Mad Dog Vachon. And then you wrap up because that is the end of the rom-com. Yeah, then the rom-com, the rom-com takes nice? a weird turn because then Mad Dog Vachon just drinks a bunch of... Uh, uh, cooking sherry and tries to fuck a drawer. It's <laughs> warmer than my yeah, wife's then, pussy, he yells. <laughs> and then and then years later, Vince McMahon uh Vince McMahon uh I don't know, just gives Louis steroids for six years for some reason. Drink yeah. it. Is this cause I'm gay? No, it's because I'm <laughs> yeah. weird. <laughs> Vince, is this a se- Vince Drink it. Sex thing? If it was a sex thing, you'd fucking know it was. What? How would I know? Shut up! <laughs> I guarantee Vince McMahon tell, told Louis a secret, and he's like, he was like with uh, someone applying for a job. So if someone's applying for a job. Louis had to sit on the interview, and he's just sitting there, like wondering why he's there. And then Vince McMahon was like, "I helped Jimmy Snooker hide the body." And then the person who's doing the interview is weirded out. And then he took a gun out, shot that guy. And he's like, I never tell a secret without creating one for no, someone no, else. Your accessory I to murder. I think that, that Vince would then shoot the guy and then look at Louis thinking like, isn't this nice? We now have something to talk about. <laughs> now we have a fun time. <sighs> Let's get dinner. Be hungry, I'm hungry. So basically, Vin, uh, Pat Patterson has living in the closet down to AT because he said he never experienced homophobia in wrestling at this time because he didn't live openly and he only only the people closest to him knew he was gay and like you said, everyone just kind of helped him cover. Well, what I like is that he kind of is like, well, no, there was no homophobia in wrestling because I lied to all of them about who I was as a person. If I'd been honest, oh, we would have had some trouble, but I don't, I'm not like that, so I was okay. Well, that's the whole thing, right? Like that is, uh, every and everyone now will be like, "Oh, why isn't wasn't it a big deal that Pat Patterson was gay?" And they'll be like, "Oh, well, 
wrestling's a traveling circus. It's actually more progressive than you think. No, it's he, because he hit who he, he was in life. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. He, he yeah, just he, hit everything. And also, people knew he was gay, and he was widely known as one of the best wrestlers around. So, had they not known he was gay, would he have gone farther? Who knows? Who's yeah? To say? And he well, he went pretty far. The one thing I'll say, like he went pretty far and had a pretty tremendous long wrestling career. But what's crazy is I don't know if Vince McMahon ever knew he was gay. Like everyone else seems to have, but no one's come out and been like. And then he told Vince. Yeah, but I don't think Vince cared because Vince is like a, as we said about the Saudi Arabia stuff. Vince is a fucking, uh, libertarian classic fucking capitalist. Like he'll give, if you have a lot of money and you rip off newborns' heads and drink the blood, Vince McMahon will work with you just as if you were like a climate change organization. Whoever has the, whoever has the money gets to work with Vince McMahon. He does not care about any of your political allegiances or what you do with your off time. He just absolutely. Cares the about other money. thing that's very interesting is. Uh, Vince McMahon, enough is Pat Patterson throughout wrestling is a giant peacemaker. He is one of the most consistently uh, beloved and like totally respected guy uh, up until we get into his office career in the WWF, which we are not covering in this episode. You'll have to listen to the Vince McMahon omnibus that is the year 2020 to get the Pat Patterson office gossip. Um, but then. Uh, and we'll go to a break after that, but uh, let's just talk about big time wrestling, and then we'll talk about his intercontinental run and Stooges' run after the break. So he transitioned to the pretty pretty boy gimmick. Um, sorry, his pretty boy gimmick, which he has uh, since transitioned to, which was basically he comes out smoking a long cigarette in a beret. Sometimes Louis is his manager. That was his gimmick in Boston. It didn't give. Uh, it didn't give over. Uh, it didn't get over. So he um, he just drops it and goes to a pretty straight up. Like heel, uh, heel gimmick. He this is of course a transitions to working in Oklahoma for a spell, uh, working with Danny Hodge, and this is where he becomes a true true star. But the time in the South was very hard on them because he was gay and French. That is four strikes. That's two. You're each. almost black if you're gay and French in the South. <laughs> like yeah, he said it was pretty fucking nuts. Like he would. This is where Louis uh, comes to the door naked to or comes to the door in underpants to answer uh, something that someone in the hotel says. It gets around that Pat's boyfriend is there, and Pat has to like fight half the roster just to cover up that he's he's like we're just friends. And then you know, he of course goes to Japan after this, and it gets better. Like it gets much better for him. We'll talk of about course, it's that. also one of those things where the South in this time, this is still the South of the South. Like, civil rights was not adopted uh, until 1966, 1967. Like, Kennedy is still alive when they're in the South. Like, <clears throat> there's no civil rights at this moment. The South still has sundowner towns. The KKK is still an omnipresent thing. Like, <laughs> the idea that he had to fight the roster is probably the least of his problems. Like, he probably walked into a store... And a kid just we're closed for you and you're like Qua? yeah that's uh yeah this is this is right as all of the uh, civil rights yeah, civil stuff rights is happening. by the way as Dylan um, refers but he to get, it he gets the Dylan fuck out of there to, by the way civil rights as my nine eleven yep I do I have it on my chest I have it tattooed on my chest this is what I think of your political opinions Dylan oh, that fart was silent God damn it go ahead. Oh yeah! You, <laughs> what a time you're just gonna shit your pants. It's gonna be sick. I really, I've come much closer on a few episodes than I really want to admit. <laughs> you like that? What the fuck was you're he talking saying? about? The oh, oh no, he goes to uh, Japan. 
He goes to Japan. Uh, does he? And he wrestles Anoki, Pat Patterson, and this is how many years? Seven years into his career, this is now where he's become a big star because he's kind of dropped the like silly pretty boy Pat gimmick. He's arrived completely. It's the mid '60s, and he's about to go to San Francisco, where Pat Patterson's life is about to get real, real a lot better. We'll talk about that after the break. Mm, Dylan Gott uses the N-word. We need money for lawyers. Donate to Patreon. Minimum donation, $5. Maximum donation, suck job. Pat Patterson is in big-time wrestling in San Francisco. And the weird thing about the internet is, both him and Louis didn't know that San Francisco had a gay population. No, you wouldn't. If there was an internet, then they would have known that. Also, that's probably something not wrestlers were like, ooh, and there's... It'll be a good gay scene for you, Pat. The thing you also remember, well, San Francisco was very interesting in that San Francisco was is was the moneyed part of California and the cultural sort of weird city of America. So it was more a reputation yeah. for it was the super big, like white Catholic city on the hill, super rich conservative waspy people, and also a lot of gay people. Like so there was a big clash between those two cultures. Like San Francisco, known for being progressive. Also, San Francisco, um, a guy shot the mayor and uh, a city councilor who was gay, and he got off because he said, I ate too many Twinkies. And the judge was like, that makes sense. Bad nutrition, you go bonkers. Get out of here, you scamp. That's no. crazy. But he, uh, yeah, because this is that... Both sides of this coin are presented here because he obviously has a he. They buy a house in San Francisco. Him and uh, Louis do. They live there for 14 years. He works in big time wrestling for 12 years from 65 to 77, right through the late 60s, which is pretty cool. But also he works for Roy Shire, who is an avid. Oh bigot. yeah! Like this is not to say that San Francisco was universally adapted. It was to say there were three streets you could walk down, and someone yeah. wasn't going to call you a Lulu. Yeah, you could if you stuck to those three streets, you're having a great time. <laughs> Yeah, Castro, the other one, and the one that intersects with Castro, which I can't remember. Uh, he also would travel and was a territorial attraction, um, uh, such as going to Amarillo and wrestling a, a Dory Funk Sr., which I can only imagine what that was like. Pretty cool. I mean, first of all, you're meeting the young Funk brothers, so who, are, who are kids who are probably just going to fight you. He's like, oh, do you guys know I'm gay and are treating me badly? Ah, no, we just don't like new people in our town. <laughs> no, I just live in a, I just live on a farm. I'm going to go fight the cows. This was also when he also formed the tag team, the Blonde Bombers with Ray Stevens, and had like what he, he always oh, talked yeah. about was his favorite run was being in the Blonde Bombers with Ray Stevens. Ray Stevens, by the way, Super party animal, big problem. Also, here's the thing to remember about Pat Patterson, smoking this entire time. Oh, yeah. Well, this is 60s wrestling. You know, he goes off the rope twice. He does a couple bippity bumps, and then you're fucking in a headlock for an hour. It's great stuff. Back when men were men. Men were men, and barnyard animals were concerned. Um, There you go. Oh, yeah. Everybody, rest review is dead, and welcome to the cum review. <laughs> my name is Puss, and this is my co-host, Clint. <laughs> Puss and Clint in the morning. Every song is "I Disappear" by Metallica, and every phone call is done by a slut. Yeah, there you go. Here's a prank call. I called a pizza place and called them all fucking whores. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. 
ah, we're talking about Pat Patterson. Here's why I don't like him. He's not into pussy. <laughs> like me. I did a prank where I showed up at a school and faked I was a teacher, but beforehand I found out which one of the kids were molested and I made fun of them for yeah. it. Sick prank. Yeah, bro radio. Here's who I pray to. <laughs> Joe Rogan's dad. There you go. Because he left and created That's a man. That's how you make a man, bruh. You fucking leave, yeah. bro. Sick. Yeah, man, because you got to be, you got to let your kids know you're out there fucking someone's mom. That's not theirs. <laughs> Speaking of, the, uh... They reunite. Louis' parents and Pat's parents come to see the house. Oh, this is fucking so heartbreaking. Go ahead. And then, uh, well, no, his his mom just won't believe how much money they have because Pat, Pat owns a Cadillac and she just can't Because she'd believe. never been in one. She just can't stop crying. And then she's, they're on a flight and uh, she, Pat gets free champagne um, just for being in first class, and then her mom just keeps Pat's mom just keeps telling to send it back, and like, why are you spending money like this? And she just can't, uh, she can't understand how you would get free champagne. Also, Louis and Pat's fathers uh, snuck off and watched a porn film together, just because they're like, we're still fucking yeah, straight, yeah, they right? Or maybe they fucked. That'd be sick. Let's see what all the fuss <laughs> I is hope about. It's that, where they're like, our sons seem to get along. Let's give it a go. And they're like dusting themselves off after a nice romp in a out by the hour hotel room. And they're like, you know what? That wasn't for us, but I could see the appeal. <laughs> yeah, and they ass pie at each other. <laughs> Which one is ass pie? That's where you nut in someone's ass. But you Jeez. always do that. You always you always lay your seeds where you've shovel you've uh, you've dug your hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put your seeds in the garbage. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. You put your seed in the garbage. Jeez. A man's butt. A man's buttocks is not the garbage, my friend. Everyone's butt no. is the garbage. That's where the garbage the ears comes are out. The garbage. The butt is okay. That's what you nut in their the ears. Butt is the butt is what I like to call it the dangerous fridge because you can eat from there, but you got to be careful. <laughs> yeah, the chocolate mm, fridge. No, not chocolate. Chocolate's something that's always good. Sometimes stuff that's in the dangerous fridge has gone bad. <laughs> Well, this is fun. Um, this is uh, Pat Patterson becomes friends with Rocky Johnson and Peter Maivia and has to play peacekeeper when uh, Rocky Johnson fucks Peter Maivia's uh, daughter and makes the rock. This is something I never considered is that that would have been a problem. for. Of course, Peter Maivia was like, apps, what the fuck, Rocky Johnson? That's crazy because I always assumed it was his like sister. Nope. Daughter. Done. No, yeah, it was his daughter. That's because Peter Maivia was his grandfather. Because he's a third-generation wrestler. That's why he was the blue chipper. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was the blue chipper of a family that was so mad he was created. Yeah, super upset he existed. It's crazy that The Rock has turned out like this, and it's like, what was your childhood like? Well, um, my dad tried to sell me for food at 16 separate times, and I have noted them I all I think all here. he does is he just tells people about the times he talked to Tony Atlas, and they were like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been insane. Like, I, that's why I don't believe, when The Rock is like, you know, it's fine, I'm cool. I'm like, no, Rock, you have either had really good therapy done, or like it's the door shuts and you just scream into a pillow. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of the uh, the rock as a kid and it's like the only one smiling is him. Of course. Everyone else is just like staring at the camera straight forward. There is 
This is Rocky Johnson realizing I can't just fucking leave. There's absolutely no way that Rocky Johnson wasn't just awful to his son. Now, like as soon as The Rock got money, I guarantee there was some knocks on that door from Rocky Johnson. Sonny boy, remember how I'm the reason you're really good at your thing that you do? No, not really, Dad. All right. (laughs) I'm starting a new business. It's called You Giving Me 50 Bucks. (laughs) <laughs> I'm starting to do business called Give me all your money You fucking tall fuck That's why, uh, that's why The Rock lives on a Hawa- uh, Hawaiian island Is he uh, He likes to make sure that there's at least An air- an airplane ride that his dad has to pay for Before he shows up to borrow money <laughs> So check this out baby They um After the the dads watch porn or bang Why uh, why does it Why can't that be more than one Both things They get the idea from the porn and then they bang Ray Stevens turns face, which leads to, of course, him feuding with Pat Patterson. And Patterson wore started wearing a mask during his matches, which I liked because he you, uh, you cheat by putting a foreign object under the mask, and then your finisher is the headbutt. Just a nice little thing people would do. Yeah, simple, easy. Wrestling was the best. Yep, and uh, championship wrestling for Florida. He's there for a spell in 1977, I, be, I assume, because uh, that was he was like Louie. You're staying in San Fran. We uh, cannot even risk talking to a man yeah, in Florida. No, no, no. You better <laughs> stay here because uh, I'm going to be wearing a shirt outside sometimes and they'll accuse me of being gay. So, like, we better be keep real careful. <laughs> yeah, we got to keep this shit real under wraps here. Um, he does the, in the AWA off and on from 1978 to 1983. This is they reformed the Blonde Bombers with Ray Makes Stevens, sense. of course, win the AWA championship. But mostly, what we're here to talk about, of course, is his crazily enough five-year run in the WWF, the first one, which is he becomes the Intercontinental Champion from the, from the tournament in, in a, Rio de Janeiro. Uh, tournament that the, never no, happened. No, it took place in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, well, that's true. The city of God. With God's champion course, himself, God Pat champion, Patterson. Pat, nice, nice man. Also, fun fact about Pat Patterson's youth: um, entered a singing contest without being able to sing, which led to a lifelong love of karaoke. The one bad thing I'll say about Pat Patterson is, of course, his song was "My Way" by Frank Sinatra. The great indicator that you're a piece of shit human being. Really? If that song appeals to you, name one good man you know that loves the song "My Way." One good man. I can't really name many men that are like, I'm sticking yeah, with my like, way. Here's the following people that love the song My Way. Graham Kay, Momar Gaddafi, there you go. Pat Patterson, <laughs> Sheriff Joe Arpaio, Donald Trump. A big thing in karaoke is either a lady who can sing singing, uh, a lady who's so drunk that their voice is like fucking just nails on a chalkboard or someone who knows half a rap song that's all karaoke i one time i'll never forget i remember starting to sing every rose has its thorn and then realizing all i know is the chorus to this song so you just sat there and then it was silent i just stood there and then when the chorus started i just tried to get everyone to chant it with me and they couldn't do it (laughs) that song's also like that song's also how like uh how long is that that's like five minutes minutes long also it uh it was i was you ever get, particularly at Toronto's famed comedy bar, do you ever get a little too drunk? Do you ever like get, oh, I didn't, I didn't mean to do yeah. this drunk, and now I've made some, deci- I've now made some drunk person decisions that I was not prepared for. Yeah, of course. Like when you fucking invest in the wrong company, boy, is my yeah. face right. Dylan, by the way, doesn't know how to invest. He just keeps buying portfolios. I've invested tons. 
I invest a lot of portfolios in a lot of companies. Um, he, he literally just keeps buying portfolios from Staples and... Uh, Business Depot. Yeah, Business Depot. and keeps going. I'm. Uh, by the way, the reason why I was uh, interrupted was two people just texted me that apparently Ric Flair has Ric Flair drop as his ringtone, and it's been posted on social media. That's my life, by the way. I got married earlier this. I got married earlier. <laughs> I got Flair married drip. earlier this year. Four text messages. If a wrestler dies, it's minimum ten text messages. When the Ultimate Warrior died, four people called me on the phone to make sure I was okay. And let me tell you this, I was not okay. <laughs> I was lightheaded because I was so hard. Um, oh, yeah. Pat Patterson enters the WWF. This is where this is the building blocks to what would be the rest of his life, which is being basically Vince McMahon's um, first he- head of creative and arguably best head of creative. Go to the WWF. The Vince McMahon omnibus that will be ensuing January 1st for more information about that. Uh, he's the Intercontinental Champion. It's 70s and 80s wrestling, so he's the champion for like 40 years. He's basically champion. He's champion for a couple years. He has the, in the early version of the count how many coins there are in the jar newsletter, <laughs> uh, he wins match of the year. Him against... Him against uh, Sergeant Slaughter, a uh, boot camp match in 1981 in uh, Madison Square Garden wins match of the year, which as, and everyone will attest to this from this period, WWF was not like a worker's territory. So this is a big thing. And he's like, he's kind of the archetype for how he, Pat Patterson is the archetype for how Vince always sees his intercontinental champions, which is worker who has some on the mic, but not. The fr- like you can have an heel intercontinental champion for a while. He liked the idea of, but not a babyface world champ, but not a heel world champion. Yeah. I should say like a babyface world champion and a heel intercontinental champion. So you still have, like you kind of have both versions of that chase going on in your company, which is actually time. a very good strategy. He just doesn't always yes necessarily perfect pulling it off, and also doesn't realize that people still like wrestling. So sometimes making a heel worker, the Intercontinental Champion, will lead that guy to becoming a good guy, which he gets very confused by. Patterson made his return to wrestling professionally in Quebec in 1980, wrestling a number of bouts for Loot International. He held the Canadian International Tag Team on five occasions between 1980 and 1983. He then headed backstage for a uh, pretty stellar career in the office, which we'll cover next year. And then makes a return to the television screen in 1997, along with Gerald Briscoe as one of Vince McMahon's stooges. Now, Pat Patterson has been pretty vocal about how he does not like this and did not like this and do- like and hates it. Yeah, really? he's like, I am not a stooge. I am very important to that company. I didn't like being called that. And you can tell because this, enti- this guy has yeah, had but- to lie his entire life. And I'm sure he's putting it a bit on for the cameras, but it's also like this guy has had to lie about who he is his entire life, and now I have to go on and wear a diaper and wrestle Gerald Briscoe when I guarantee <laughs> that both of them are pretty sure they're yeah. like, we could at the very least murder Scott Taylor with our fucking fingers. But here's the other thing is that it D- Gerald Briscoe had like the silly fun character, whereas Pat Patterson literally at one point the big thing for Patterson was he would always be stink faced by Rikishi so much so that when he basically turned babyface, he at one point stink faced. I forget which member of the roster it was, but he took off his briefs, 
he took his pants down, his underwear was on, and he stink faced with a big made up fucking skid mark, and he stink faced a guy. Yeah, he did a Yeah, he skid faced McMahon, I think. Yeah, he skid faced McMahon, he skid faced a bunch of people. They would just come in. They were always great. They were always like, um I love them. I love, by the way, the best Like the thing about the NWO uh, was when they were at the top of the card, you were always supposed to take them so seriously. Yeah. But like it was nice to see the like, especially WCW, who just had the bad guy on top for so long, it was nice to just see the good guy win. I think a lot of people don't really take that into account when they talk about why the Monday Night War swung the WWF's way. It was like, it was just nice to see the good guy just knock everyone around, and he knocks around, he knocks around these two old guys, like, the bumps they take are silly. Three old guys, even. Like, when he's fighting Triple H, it's serious, but... It was also an exceptional evolution. Do you understand? Because anytime you could explain, you could go, yeah. what's happening now with wrestling? And you're like, oh, it's fucking crazy. Like, all of these sort of things. And it's also, it was a time when they used legends properly. Like, bear in mind, if they did the Stooges angle now, Patterson and Briscoe would have beaten Kofi Kingston. Like, they they weren't, yeah, <laughs> That's they true, don't though. use them as jokes anymore. And they should still be funny weirdos as opposed to what they are now is they're like they're legitimate contenders yeah it's yeah. fucking crazy um some other fun things that pat patterson did was uh they unmask kane and he takes a photo of kane's face and then threatens to show the world if they do he doesn't join the mcmahon helmsley alliance and then the film didn't develop properly so kane turns on them oh it was so fucking good and then uh he also at one point is hiding in drag in the women's locker room because they're always making, like, JR is always making comments on commentary, like, oh, he's available, you know? Oh, yeah. No. So they're always making fun of yeah, how Yeah, Jim Ross is constantly just basically going, the reason why I like Jerry and don't like Pat is one of them likes women, and the other one is Pat. Yeah, the one of them likes, one of them's an Oklahoma wrestler, and the other one's an Yeah, offender. how... How close do you think Jim Ross hit? Like, I guarantee if Gerald Briscoe's pissing in the urinal, Jim Ross uses the one right next to him, looks down, and goes... <laughs> Give him a nice head nod. Good to see you. Well, no, I think that Jim Ross has been on a lifelong journey to see Gerald Briscoe's dad <laughs> piss, where he's like, "Look at those that created." Ooh, look at that! It's like it's like watching the Gateway in the Superdome. Oh, if, if I put my mouth on it, it's like I've touched the oh Stanley Cup. I just I don't want to suck it, but can I just hold it betwixt my teeth and no, and just say the words "Bill Watts" inside your piss hole, Mister Briscoe? <laughs> <laughs> Bill Watts, yes, Bill Watts, Bill Jerry, Watts. you need to fuck your wife again. We need another Briscoe. How angry Jim Ross was when he discovered <laughs> the ROH Briscoe brothers were not related to the original Briscoe brothers. Like, I guarantee that was that was his Kennedy assassination. I don't know. I think Jim Ross is probably a big fan of the ROH Briscoe brothers. Their tights were the Confederate flag until they absolutely had to stop. Oh, yeah, but that's probably why he doesn't like them. And he was like, you bow to the pressure of the northerner. <laughs> like, let me put it this way. Jim Jim Ross is pretty sure that Tony Khan is Italian. You know what I'm saying? He's probably tells himself that. Yeah, he every day he's just like, yeah, yeah he's from Napoli. <laughs> So the la one of the last matches that Pat Patterson has as a wrestler is an evening gown match against Gerald Briscoe. I don't know if that's how he drew up ending his in-ring career, but why would you end with a tour of Quebec, the place you started after 25 years in the ring? 
when you can do an evening gown match that mocks yeah. your sexuality. Why wouldn't you do that, it's, baby? What's your favorite thing about Pat Patterson, you uh, rat fuck? I got a lot of favorite things. I would say um, smoke cigarettes every day. Rest, still smoke cigarettes. I just am like... <laughs> 80-year-old man Going down smoking. with the ship, bud. That's what I'm doing. Good to see you, Pat. Nice to know that a pro athlete still makes bad decisions. For sure I do. Yeah, I think the best thing, there's so many good things. I mean, he created the archetype for the uh, Intercontinental Champion. Intercontinental Champion. He uh, had that boot camp match, by the way, Sergeant Slaughter. Absolutely exceptional. A lot of wrestling from that time period, real difficult to watch because it's just like, Oh my God! He did a leg scissor maneuver in a way, um, as opposed like that match. So fucking fun and entertaining. So many good big beats. Sergeant Slaughter is the good guy at that point, I believe. Um, yeah, it's fucking great. Good stuff. Yeah, he uh, as a good as a wrestler he was. I think my favorite thing is still that Mad Dog Vashon story of chasing down Louie and be like, "I'm okay," and then they both weep. Oh, that's- Mad Dog Vashon, you're my dad. All right, now I'm going to go hold up a liquor store. Your turn to drive. <laughs> what? I just like that Mad Dog Vashon hates his son, but is like, it's still, I'll never get over the fact that he's like, your lifestyle is your lifestyle. Make that decision. How do you feel about your son? Fuck that kid. Fuck him. Fuck him. <laughs> uh, what's the worst thing about Pat Patterson? <laughs> I don't know his finishing move, which is uh, uh, always a bad sign for a wrestler. Well, it's also he was a heel for so long, Yeah, right? so he didn't get a finishing move. So it's like your finishing move back then was, yeah, your finishing move back then was you win the title because you cheat and then you retain it because you get DQ'd. Yeah, exactly. Your finishing move is retain your heat at all costs, but make sure you lose to a guy who looks American. Yeah, pretty much. I think it's probably the worst thing. I don't know if there is one. If he had to do promos, they probably would have been pretty bad, but he never had to. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, there's some accusations that if we were talking about his office life, we'd have to get into that make him pretty bad. Yeah, but those that's not... Uh, we're just talking about his in-ring All right. Um, the worst thing about this episode is Dylan wants to not discuss accusations of pedophilia and molestation because it didn't happen in the ring. Because Dylan's weird about specificity. Jerry Lawler didn't molest him in the ring, so it didn't happen. If it's between the ropes, then we can talk about it, John. I mean, I hate that I agreed to that stipulation when we started. Dylan really made me sign a pretty litigious contract. Well, I don't want to talk for an hour, another hour about uh, the accusations because I don't really know all there is to know about those. Neither do I. I just know that that they're out there. And then maybe you want to include that in something you have to say. He might have sucked off some kids or the kids sucked him off. Who knows? Yeah, we'll find out next year during the longest year of pain Dylan and I are about to suffer. Yeah. The uncovering of the molestation year will be good. We're going to have to, we'll talk about a new and interesting sexual assault every week, I assume. <laughs> yeah, but when we're talking about Vince McMahon's backstage career, yeah, every second episode is going to be just him doing something horrific. And then, uh, yeah, and then us being like, cool, cool. Those They, they couldn't afford good enough lawyers for justice. Cool Sick. Dylan, one of us not being cool with it. John. Dylan is the French word for John, so he means himself. Nice. No, 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 no. Maybe. No. Pretty clear sailing other than uh, maybe a pedophile, which is the story of every wrestler. To truly be a good wrestler, you must also be a pedophile. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually very funny. 
You're actually thinking. You're thinking about it. You're yeah, like, that's oh ever, no. Yeah, there's not. There's not a lot of evidence to contradict what Dylan just said there. We'll do a Patreon episode where we make an all pedophile wrestling league, and it'll be fucking like you'll watch. Oh my god, watch it, it. it will be what we thought AEW was going to be. <laughs> an all pedophile wrestling league, and it's also usually their golden age of being a horrific, horrible sexual predator coincides with quite a time in the ring. Like, I got news for you. You're getting Ric Flair in a pedophile wrestling league because he definitely, like, they were 17, but he basically was just like, wear your mom's fur coat and meet me at the Marriott. 100%. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, that's disgusting. That's fucking, that's fucking disgusting. And also, yeah, you get, you're get getting the uh, Rock, and Rock and Roll, Roll Express. Express. For Ooh. sure. You're getting the Rock and Roll Express any era of the Rock and Roll Express. Wee- yeah, just horrific human be- you're getting grizzly smith who was a walking piece of shit and also apparently one hell of a road agent which is why dylan said then i excuse his crimes listen to the patreon episode on grizzly smith i did it's horrific i did i said that yeah i, dylan I screamed, screamed it thanks very much for listening guys i'm shane gillis john's shane, shane gillis. gillis we're both yeah. shane gillis please get us on the internet social meds at wrestler review instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Wrestler Review on Twitter and Instagram, the Wrestler Review Podcast on Facebook, Patreon.com backslash Wrestler Review. That's Patreon.com backslash Wrestler Review. We'll have our Iron Chic episode up, and also we'll m- have an episode where we review Bruce Pritchard's, uh, the roast of Bruce Pritchard, and we talk about what the most lit burns are because. Mark Davies was kind enough to donate some money to charity on our behalf. The charity was Brian Nobbs's uh, foundation for mid bodies breaking down. Um, so what I would like to ask is you guys can do that if you want. We'll review something. If you guys pay money to a charity, you just have to screen cap the receipt uh, so we can verify it happened. And we will do a review of something if you like. Um, obviously within reason and, uh, maybe another charity that's like for sick kids rather than just, you know, yeah, carnies. it doesn't have to be, uh, wrestling, wrestling related. related. I mean, we're cool. If, yeah. Do whatever you want. Like, I mean, I'm cool if it's wrestling related. Dylan would prefer it. Yeah. 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 I don't care if the, that the kids have, uh, toys at Christmas. I want like, I want Ric Flair to have a new laptop that he doesn't know how to use and he just yells how do you get the girls out of this i want these naked oh my god reed's still in here reed get out of the computer (laughs) (laughs) i want to point out dylan totally fine with pedophile jokes you kill one athlete's kid then he gets upset i was not fine with pedophile jokes john i'm fine with no jokes now stop it Thanks for listening, guys. Fuck me in my mm, booty hole. I'm Mad Dog Vashon, in a way. And then I'm accepting, and then you wouldn't think I was. See you in hell. Bye-bye.